возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к предверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которая очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это – да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. Субтитры 
и по-прежнему будут гореть голубые зорницы, и по-прежнему будет светить темным небе большая звезда. Пусть будут вновь прилетать на весенние пахоты птицы. Редактор 
Before we continue to submerge into our inheritance in Jesus Christ or to go upon the heights or uh, elevate ourselves, because this is, these are the same things, when we're uh, walking upward, we, there becomes less and less of us. Someone falls in the wilderness and stays there. Another one becomes a pillar of salt. <clears throat> but that is the path. And a price is to be paid. And this price is the price of our life, our soul. Either we will pay it and will finally reach our goal in Jesus Christ, or we will fall. Our bones will fall in the desert, in the wilderness, as the many Israelites did, and today many Christians do. Their churches, their services have become either mausoleums or something else terrible, misunderstood, something that is screaming and oinking and quacking and all of these things they call as expressions of the Holy Spirit. For the so the unchanging epigraph of the study of the Word of God is Luke 24, 44. <coughs> 
Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And for us as partakers of the body of Christ, to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our collaboration with the Holy Spirit and what is necessary to be done from our side so we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we put on the new form or way of life. Ephesians 4.22-24 That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. To fulfill this command, we need to utilize three, as we can see, Uh, this is clearly shown we utilize three charging and fundamental verbs and these are to put off be renewed and put on we've noted that your decision regarding these three destiny impacting questions will determine whether we transform ourselves into a vessel of mercy or vessel of wrath or more specifically with the complete will the completion of our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee or will we lose it and our names be forever blotted out of the book of life although they may have been written there at one time. In a specific format, we have already looked at first the first two questions and have been studying the question, the third question, what conditions are to be fulfilled so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of dressing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. And linked to clothing ourselves into our new person, we've concluded that we need God's help. That is, we need need his mercy because the mercy of God is the great and unique power of God identifying the essence of God as well as the inheritance prepared for man born from the seed of the word of truth the means of receiving any kind of help from God or receiving God's mercy is prayer and worship. This is the means, prayer and worship. We note that since prayer isn't just how man communicates with God, but also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven to do his work on earth, and we are called to give God this right only upon his established conditions. And this right, of course, is to be given by a person that is in God's likeness. Not every person is able to give God the ability here upon planet Earth to do his work, but only that person that has become perfect, just as he is, as his Heavenly Father is. One of the prayers of David written in the 143rd Psalm accurately revealed the conditions upon which a man is called to give God the right to interlope or interject God's mercy into his life. That is, this has been the component of our continuing study. Let us remember this psalm. It is so unique. It is so wonderful that I pray this prayer every day. It is so wonderful and deep. It reveals the entire human path from beginning to end and goes into the future. 
into eternity. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me. And in your righteousness, do not enter into judgment with your servant. For in your sight, no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul. For I am your servant. Therefore, to be heard by God, David needed, as we know now, to present to God a basis, cause, or particular right that could and would be able to serve as sufficient evidence before God to be able to intervene in David's life with his faithfulness and righteousness. And such evidence in this particular prayer, as we already know, were ten arguments that David presented to God, saying, Hear me, and that we also need to present to God if we want to be heard by him. Hear my prayer in your faithfulness and in your righteousness. Hear my prayer because I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. Hear my prayer because I spread out my hands to you. Hear my prayer, for in you do I trust. Hear my prayer, because I lift up my soul to you. Hear my prayer, because in you I take shelter. Hear my prayer, for you are my God. Hear my prayer for your name's sake. Hear my prayer for your righteousness' sake. And hear my prayer, for I am your servant. In the previous services, we had already studied the nature of the first argument. This was evidence that David abided in faithfulness and righteousness that gave God the lawful right to stand on the side of David in his oppositions against his enemies and stopped to study the second argument. This was evidence David presented in prayer that he abided in the memories of the days of old and all the deeds that God had done in those days that were also written upon the tablets of his heart. This form of evidence presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest is an example of continual remembrance or a continual memorial before God containing the component of continual prayer. And the breastplate of judgment was created and purposed only one item, this was the urim and the thummim that was present and the presence of which allowed God to hear man and allowed man to hear God. Therefore, to be heard by God in the revelation of his Urim, it is necessary to keep within your mind the works of God, that is, his Thummim, that God had done in the days of old. Answering the second question, what purpose is the continual memory of the works of God done by him in the days of old and written upon the tablets of our heart, called to perform in the relationship between the redeemed person and God himself? 
The breastplate of judgment as an item of continual remembrance before God is a sacral symbol of the format of continual prayer. Therefore, prayer that is not in accordance to the requirements and characteristics of the breastplate of judgment does not have the right to be called prayer. Because only the format of continuous prayer presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest gives us the right to enter into the holy place as kings and priests to God. We are called to present the interests of the judgments of God in accordance to those commandments and statutes that identify the union of teachings of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh in the twelve precious stones and the twelve names of the sons of Jacob written upon those stones. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Colossians 4.2 Here Apostle Paul shows the breastplate of judgment. He is that component of continual prayer. Continuity in prayer identifies a joyously burning lamp, identifying the condition of the righteous heart of a man. Proverbs 13.9 The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. That means a person dies. When the lamp is put out, that means a person dies. That is, his spirit dies for God. His spirit is the eternal living part of him. It can die for God, but it is not completely eliminated. It just is separated from God by sin forever, but the Spirit is still eternal in its essence, and the Spirit, being separated from God, is sent to hell. The building order of the breastplate of judgment presents and identifies the demands of spirit and truth that the true worshippers of God need to have whom God seeks. Breaking the order of building the breastplate of judgment, identifying the state and nature of the worshipper of God, will not be able to be called the breastplate of judgment as it loses its nature. John 4.23-24, these are the words of Christ. He said, but the hour is coming, and now, and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. God is still seeking of true worshipers, and as soon as He finds the specific number that He needs, He will call them from the earth. Only true worshipers will make up the bride of the Lamb. All the rest will remain. Worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth includes not peddling with the truth when pursuing the goals that God has placed in Scripture as people have done in all times and many do today because of their stiff neck and their greed and hypocrisy. We note that in the Septuagint, this is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, the breastplate of judgment is called the sign of justice. As by the means of the Urim and the Thummim that is contained in the breastplate of judgment, God revealed to man his judgment. The symbol of the breastplate of judgment is revealed as the conscience of a man purified from dead works, upon the tablets of whom, just as a sign it, the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh is. In this way, specifically, the conscience that is purified of dead works with the writing of faithfulness and righteousness upon its tablets will identify the nature of a true worshiper that will give God the right to act in them and through them upon planet Earth and 
It is these kinds of worshippers that have the Heavenly Father seeks for himself. In a particular format, we have already looked and studied the measurements and the materials from which the breastplate of judgment was supposed to be built. And now we have been studying the next requirement, which states, Exodus 28:17-21, And you shall put settings of stone in it, four rows of stones. The first row shall be serious, topaz, and emerald. The second row shall be turquoise, sapphire, and diamond. The third row shall be jacinth and agate and amethyst. The fourth row shall be beryl, onyx, and jasper. They shall be set in gold settings. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engraving of a signet, each one with its own name. They shall be according to the twelve tribes. The twelve golden filigree settings of the breastplate of judgment is the undamaged and presented in its original form truth, identifying the word of God that once came out of the mouth of God, now written upon the tablets of our heart. These twelve golden, se golden settings identify the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, that we as worshippers of God this is the will that is good, acceptable, and perfect that we as worshippers of God are called to present in our continual prayer. When we ask what is in accordance to his will, we receive the twelve precious stones with the engraved upon them as a sign at names of the sons of Israel is a symbol and format of continual prayer presenting the perfect judgments of God. From this we can see that it wasn't the golden settings being the truth of the word of God that were prepared and adjusted in measurement and configuration for the precious stones, that is our prayers, but the precious stones which are our prayers are the ones that were adjusted and configured to fit the golden settings of truth. Continual prayer in the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment with the twelve names is a persisting prayer that, in, that is continual, that is persisting, that in its intercession presents the interests of God and does not sway away or step away from the goal we have until we receive what we are asking for. And whatever it may greet upon its path, it will keep going even to the death. The building of the breastplate of judgment contains in itself the same order, the materials and means that are called to identify the quality of continual prayer. And this is also a building of the kingdom of heaven that is presented in our heart as the tree of life. Growing within our heart, the tree of life is building ourselves into a new man, created in accordance to God in righteousness and holy truth, into a house of God, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. We note that... Just as all the beauty and order of the temple was built for one holy item and for the sake of one single item, that is the golden ark of the covenant, the same thing with the ephod of the high priest, with the connected to it breastplate of judgment. It was created for and served only one holy item. This item very accurately was called to duplicate and fulfill the functions of the golden ark. This was the Urim and the Thummim. The golden ark, as well as the breastplate of judgment, symbolized the conscience of a man that is cleansed from death works and sealed upon it or imprinted upon it teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. The Urim and the Thummim is light and perfection, light and the right, or revelation and truth. The Ten Commandments that were placed inside the Ark of the Covenant was the truth, and this truth upon the breastplate of judgment is the Thummim. The revelation that a person could receive at the mercy seat or the lid of the Ark of the Covenant 
is the Urim and the breastplate of judgment, or the Holy Spirit. Only a person who has a conscience cleansed from dead works or a wise heart upon which the truth in the form of the Thummim is imprinted can be a worshiper of God. The revelation of God, which is his Urim, is able to be present within the boundaries of truth, that in the heart of a person, the Thummim is the Thummim. The thum Thummim presents the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. In other words, if a person does not have the teaching inside of himself, all the revelations that he will receive will not be possible to examine or, to, or check. And this person will then go with those revelations to hell because the spirit of evil, the under the heaven uh, demonic, uh, beings, they uh, have gifts and abilities uh, to do miracles and present them as the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if a person does not have inside of himself the understanding of the teaching of Jesus Christ, he will easily follow these supernatural uh, wonders uh, that are actually in nature demonic. I have put wisdom in the heart of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31, 6. There, where the thumb is, is, is where the wisdom of the Urim will come. Because it's talking about the quality of wisdom that is contained in the Urim and the Thummim. And the fact that the carriers of the Urim and the Thummim are worshippers of God and possess the immune system of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and of Levi he said, Let your Thummim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massa, and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah who say of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his own children, for they have observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt of sacrifice on your altar. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the work of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise up against him and of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Deuteronomy 33, 8-11. <clears throat> with this we note that the future of men that say of themselves that they belong to the chosen by God nation however they confront the carriers of the Thummim and the Urim and hate them because of the fact that they themselves do not have the Urim and the Thummim they inherit the lake of fire burning with fire and brimstone in a particular format we have already looked at the first five qualities of a warrior in prayer by whom God is able to continuously reveal His will upon planet Earth. And stop to study the sixth quality of a worshiper of God presented upon the breastplate of judgment of our heart in the virtue of the precious diamond stone. The sixth uh, name in the second row from the bottom upon the precious stone of the breastplate of judgment of our heart is the name of the sixth son of Jacob, Naphtali, which means wrestler. And Rachel ma the maid of Rachel's maid Bila conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With a great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. She, so she called his name Naphtali. Genesis 37, 8. We note that the diamond is a brilliant stone. It is a pure carbon, and so that is why it contains great hardness and resistance. The word brilliant really doesn't apply to any other stone except for the diamond. This includes gemstones faceted in some other kind of way. That isn't the brilliant stone of, and polish of the diamond. According to the Jewish rabbinate, the name of God we see revealed in the precious stone diamond in Hebrew is El Hai, which when translated means God is alive. 
Therefore, based on the definition of the name Naphtali upon the precious diamond stone, we can conclude that the function of the sixth principle placed into the foundation of our continual prayer with which we need to be a continual memorial before God is our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to abide with us in our prayer battles against the powers of hell, which confront us when we fulfill the will of God by the name of the living God. Jeremiah 10.10 10. But the Lord is the true God, He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. The name of the living God was a format of an oath and the category of the nation that had not learned to swear by the living God or will swear falsely were completely and utterly destroyed from their nation. Jeremiah 12, 16, 17. And it shall be, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name as the living God, as they are taught by my people to swear by Baal, then they shall be established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. Therefore, to not be completely eradicated and eliminated by the wrath of the living God, it is necessary to learn the ways of the nation of God, to swear by the name of God El Hai or by the living God. And these ways are the paths of the commandments and statutes of God. The condition that gives us the right to learn the ways or paths of God's commandments and statutes to swear by the name of the living God is the thirst to know them. The great thirst to know them. It is revealed only to those who thirst. Psalm 119, 32 through 35. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statutes, and I shall keep to it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. We note that alive or living when it comes to, when, in regards to God means abiding or who is with unconditional authority, defining a genesis, creating a genesis, holding a genesis, keeping a genesis, ruling over a genesis, and commander and lord of a genesis. Deuteronomy 10, 20 through 21. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oath in his name. He is your praise and He is your God who has done for you great things and awesome things which your eyes have seen. The result of swearing by the name of the living God was always the fulfillment of the promise of God for the sake of which the oath was made. The power of a warrior in prayer contained within the quality of the name of the living God is called to present the unlimited power of God over Genesis allotted by him for us time and boundaries. This is why it was necessary for us to determine what goal does God have in his intentions when he urges and calls his children to become warriors in prayer. Also in what way and upon what conditions is God able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer so that man may present the interests of God and implement or actualize his inheritance in God. Per the definitions provided in Scripture, to be a warrior in prayer is the lawful and privileged inheritance of holy men of all times. This is their primary or first most purpose that is revealed in their calling, to trample upon uncleanness and the unclean in their prayer battles. 
как грязь на улицах в своем молитвенном борении. Third, this is one of the greatest positions that is gifted by God to man in which a person becomes a king and a priest to God and is seen by God as a brilliant stone or the diamond stone with the name of Naphtali. Not being a king and a priest to God in the virtues of which a person is able to reign with his informational organ over his emotional organ, it is impossible to be a warrior in prayer. The royal calling is when a person with his informational organ is able to govern his emotional organ and get evaluates not what he, not by how he feels but what he knows because faith is not feeling it's information it's knowledge faith is by hearing the word of god the prayer of a warrior in prayer is a sacral or holy mystery that has an unearthly genesis therefore is inaccessible to the comprehension of the human mind or with human abilities only a renewed mind can comprehend the nature of prayer. We more than once have noted that by its nature the genesis of prayer is the genesis of God. Therefore, prayer does not have a beginning and does not have an end. It has always been a mystery of God himself because it has always existed in his presence as his golden scepter of favor that he stretched forth to the one that would seek his face in performing his will. We see how God stretched out his golden scepter to the Holy Spirit when he hovered over the dead waters at the time. Nothing was there yet. There was no life there. It was dead material. He trembled. He was seeking the will of God, and he stretched out his golden scepter so that he can do something. Because when he was showing the showing thirst, when he was revealing his thirst, God responded to that thirst. If, however, anyone dared come to him upon his own conditions, not being called into his presence, then God's golden scepter of favor was not stretched out to the one asking, and resulted in this person's prayer being unheard by God. We know when a person him, went into God by himself when God did not call him, he was able to die there if he would enter incorrectly or if he was not supposed to enter. We know that even the priests, the sons of Aaron, when they brought profane fire, God killed them when King Hosea entered in, deciding to burn incense, thinking he can also burn incense not being a priest. He became leprous upon his forehead, and if the priest would not have taken him out, God would have killed him there. John 9.31, now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will he hears him when a sinner is attempting to pray whatever pray he, prayer he may make god just doesn't hear him he immediately kills his prayer but who honors god and does his will that's the one he hear, hears who has the thummim then god gives his response with his urim in accordance to this place of scripture god becomes the initiator of prayer in the situation that a warrior in prayer in the virtue of his worshiper begins to pray in accordance to his will and further god is the initiator of the prayer of a man where he begins the prayer and where he finishes a prayer when a person prays to him in accordance to his will when i pray in accordance to his will that is his will that is why he is the initiator because i pray in accordance to his 
his will. Because the right to come close to and to be forthcoming before God in prayer is the ex exclusive prerogative of God. Not one, No one will be able to or will dare by himself to come close to and enter into God that desires to abide in the darkness or mystery or in the unapproachable light. Jeremiah 30, 21 through 22. Their nobles shall be from among them and their governor shall come from their midst. Then I will cause him to draw near and he shall approach me. For who is this who pledged his heart to approach me? Says the Lord, you shall be my people and I will be your God. Through that person that I have, that I will bring close to me, that's how you will be my nation. Accordance to this prophet, this prophet's revelation, we can see that coming near and entering to God is to the task of one governor that will come from the nation seed of Abraham, his only son of God, in the status of the son of man, by whom and in whom any born from God and seeking God can come near to Him and enter into God. That is why, from all the existing forms of service, continual prayer. Leading a person into the presence of God is the most difficult form of service that most Christianity, for the most part, avoids, forsakes, and refuses. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, 1 Timothy 1.18. To define and build a clear and orderly for a system that will help us understand the nature of a continual prayer and the signs identifying a warrior in prayer that would be able to be based on specific commandments of God. In other words, what characteristics do does a warrior in prayer is a warrior in prayer to have? or possess, giving man the lawful right to swear by the name of the living God. Based upon the revelations written in Scripture, our prayer and the quality of a warrior in prayer, identified by the virtues of the diamond, needs to be relentless or continual, persistent, diligent, with boldness, with reverence, with faith and hope upon God, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, in the Holy Spirit, or praying in tongues, or praying in tongues. I want to note once again that every each of the ten listed qualities that we have listed are present in each other, complete one the other, and identify the truthfulness of one the other. In other words, each of the ten listed qualities are existing in balance in each of the other nine. Therefore, the truthfulness of each of the qualities is determined by the presence of the other qualities that together make up a wonderful balance. Nevertheless, each of the ten qualities qualities has its own unrepeated and inherent only to it taste, color, order, character and behavior, and thus has its own specific face, its own specific application, and its own specific purpose. In a specific format, we have already looked at the signs of the first four qualities consisting, the, consisting of the nature of a prayer as well as the state of a warrior in prayer. Therefore, we will immediately turn to study the fifth quality within the nature of a warrior in prayer, and this is reverence. The character and virtue consisted in the word reverence is prescribed in prayer as a commandment, as a requirement without deviation, and as an urgent military command. When a command is given to be fulfilled without deviations to confront the organized powers of hell during time of battle, and you disobey or leave it unfulfilled, this is the final separation or break of your relationship with God, which equals vengeance or, or the second death. When we come in prayer and it does not have the character of reverence, then this is equal to the vengeance of the second death. This is disobedience to God. 
This is a mockery of God. This is a forsaking of God. Reverence as a virtue and atmosphere of the spirit belongs to the state of a warrior in, in the of a state of a, of a warrior in prayer's heart which is called to be present in all things a person does with diligence from his soul. Continual prayer is a phenomenon with an unearthly genesis, is done within actual time and captures all of time. However, it is out of the boundaries of time and prevails over time. To better understand the significance of the quality of reverence, we will look at four questions that will help us understand the essence of the purpose proposed to us reverence and see the necessity of its presence in our prayer life with God. Determining the essence and purpose of reverence, the price for obtaining reverence, keeping and developing reverence, and the fruit and reward of, rever of reverence. Based on the findings of Scripture, the determination of the essence and purpose included in the word reverence, as in the previous qualities of a warrior in prayer, is directly linked to the quality of our faith. In the Webster Dictionary, the definition of the word reverence is a mix of feelings of fear, trembling, and amazement. With this, in the fear of the Lord, it means the wisdom of God where a person is familiar with the order of God in worship. <clears throat> and so reverence is always exclusively regarding God and His works. Although there exists another side of fear and faith in the Almighty God that does not express reverence and reveals an opposite, opposite side of fear that contains suffering. This is demonic fear and demonic faith. <clears throat> this fear has an absence of love to God. And this also applies, this demonic faith is also, also applies to the unclean. You believe that there is one God you do well, even the demons believe and tremble, James 2.19. For example, in Hebrew, the the word reverence is presented in six different words and in Greek in three different words. In the Old Testament, this word is used more than 400 times in various formats and usually is described as fear and delight or as the fear of God that, that is the beginning of the wisdom of God. Therefore, the presence of reverence in prayer presupposes the presence of wisdom of God or knowledge about how to pray. True trembling or tremor is a reverent attitude based upon knowledge about who God is for us and what God has done for us. True, true trembling that expresses reverence is readiness of a wise and willing obedience to God in which our informational organ subjugates the gov and governs over the emotional organ, directing it, controlling it, and governing it. True trembling that expresses reverence is a specific position not only of the heart but also of the soul, identifying all the rest of our following thoughts, words, and actions. In a particular format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we have already looked at the first question, what purpose is reverence called to fulfill? And what qualities do the scriptures give the quality of reverence? And stop to study the second question. But before we continue to study the second question, I shall remind us of the antonyms or the opposite signs of the components we have studied because understanding the antonym of each component it is better and clearer to see the quality and character of the quality of prayer itself. And so the antonym of persistence is unfaithfulness and incontinuity or not continuing. Diligence, the antonym of diligence is rebellion or resistance the antonym of continuing is laziness the antonym of boldness is audacity and the 
Antonym of reverence is forsaking or hatred. Psalm 50, 16, 17, but to the wicked God, but to the wicked, to the wicked God says, what right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you? Therefore, looking at the second question, what price do the scriptures show to be able to obtain and apply into your essence the quality and atmosphere of reverence, we, can, we came to the conclusion that reverence in prayer or payment to have reverence in your, in your prayers is a joyful expression of a man's love to God and to his holy name. Payment for having the, in your essence, reverence is the price for the right to accept and be conceived by the seeds of the kingdom that is immovable. Price for being able to have reverence within your worship is the price of making a covenant of peace and life with God. Payment for the price or pr the price for having this reverence in your prayers is to bring to God the fruits of righteousness. These are the four components that we have already looked at in the previous services. And now we will turn to the fifth component. Payment for introducing the quality of reverence into your essence consists in the price paid for studying the commandments of the Lord. Isaiah 29, 13, 14. Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear towards me is taught by the commandments of men, Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. Because their reverence was consisting of consisting in the study of the commandments of men. The commandments of men is the interpretation of the commandments of the Lord with the human mind that is not renewed by the, the, by the spirit of our mind. The commandments of the Lord is the interpretation given by the Holy Spirit to the delegation of God that possess a renewed mind by which we are able to learn from them upon the condition that we also have a renewed mind. Here's what Apostle Paul Peter sa says in 2 Peter 1, 20, 21, knowing this first that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This very same principle implemented by God is confirmed by Apostle Paul. The principle is that a man is able to comprehend the essence of God's promises that are contained within the commandments of the Lord. When you learn the commandments of the Lord, you're filled with reverence. When you learn the commandments of men, this is not reverence. Reverence is learning, studying the commandments of the Lord only by those people that are placed by God for the building of His church. Second Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him amen to the glory of God through us. All the promises, Apostle Paul says, you can understand through us or by us. Sixth payment for introducing the quality of reverence into your essence consists in the price giving us the right to turn to God and to seek God. 
if we will be able to turn to God and seek Him, this is the right that gives that it will be able to bring forth or produce this reverence. Hosea 3, 4, 5. For the children of Israel, for the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord, their God, and David, their king, they shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter of days. Hosea 3, 4, 5. According to the given prophecy to receive the ability to reveal before the Lord with his goodness, it is necessary to pay attention to six items that in their time the sons of Israel left or forsook to be able to, by the means of these six items, find God. And these six items in the given prophecy are king. The, the, the king is the governing of the Holy Spirit within your heart. We are kings only when the Holy Spirit governs in our heart. A prince... They will be for many days without a prince, without a sacrifice. The prince is the renewed mind, sacrifices continual prayer, shall be without a sacred pillar or altar. The heart purified from dead works will be without the ephod. The ephod is the service of priesthood in worshiping in spirit and in truth. And the teraphim, they shall be without a teraphim, the thummim and the urim. The word teraphim also refers to idols. This is, these are idols because the Israelites made idols for themselves and turned to idols and the unclean spirit responded to them. They called forth the dead, but these were not the dead, the spirit. Uh, evil spirit would respond, they heard him, they, they, he responded and they responded. And so there's the same word is used. The devil used the Urim and the Thummim and also began to present to the nation of Israel idols that were also called Urim and the Thummim, the Teraphim. Without being clothed into these six items and practicing these six items, it is impossible to turn to God and to seek God. To seek God means to look for God, to plead with God, to use all of your strengths. Focus your attention upon God, look for the path or way to God, and to search the paths of the Lord. In the Greek language, to seek God is to thoroughly and completely perform a purification of your essence from all foreign or strange things or chaff of the flesh. That's when we will have reverence. Seventh payment for introducing the quality of reverence into your essence consists in the price of remembering and meditating about who God is for us and what God has done for us. Psalm 77.3 I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. And so trembling, being troubled, trembling, when does it happen when you begin to remember about God? to remember about him, about the one that is written in your heart, how he is. In accordance to this place of scripture, we can see that first, a man ended up being placed into such obstacles in which a spirit becomes overwhelmed from not understanding the reason it happens to him. 
He says, I remember God and am troubled. I complain and my spirit was overwhelmed. It's talking about the fact that Asaph ended up in situations that he was not able to explain as to why he is in those situations. Many people can't explain why they're in the obstacle or situation they're in, not have committed any sins. And so they pray and say, Lord, where did I do something wrong that they're not being shown? Why everything uh, became the way it is? God is silent and there's complete silence, not yes and not no. Wherever you may go, and people say, of course, this is a sin, look for where your sin is, uh, just like with Job. Practically here, Asaph shows the story of Job. Secondly, remembering about God that placed man into these obstacles or situations, man becomes filled with reverence that is revealed in trembling, attempting to understand what more God has planned for him. When he remembers about God, he begins to understand that everything that is happening with him was allowed by God. He needs to overcome this. He needs to pass this. This is not for something. This is just something you need to pass and be tested by. These are your trials. And then a person becomes afraid. What else does God have planned? When God revealed to his son what he had planned for him, he became afraid and so that is why he he says I am troubled and this is this position is very well reflected in the writings of the book of Job where we see the reason for the misfortunes that have come upon us when in the very same time our relationship with God is good and peaceful Job 23 13 through 15 but he is unique and who can make him change and whatever his soul desires that he does for he performs what is appointed for him and many such things are with him Therefore, I am terrified at his presence. When I consider this, I am afraid of him. The fact that he said, I remember about God, I'm terrified at his presence. These are things that Job was saying. He will, he will fulfill everything that God has placed. God, he says, God has many more things for me like this, and no one can turn me from him. Therefore, if in this difficult time a person does not turn to meditate about God with what was previously imprinted upon his heart, then in his sufferings, instead of forming an atmosphere of peace in his essence, which reveals itself in trembling, will actually form or create bitterness and disappointment. The third question, in what way do the scriptures indicate for us to keep and develop the quality of reverence as an expression of the fruit of obedience? We pay a price, we have received it, but how do we keep it? We more than once have paid and focused our attention upon the fact that per the norms of Scripture, all that is not developed will be diminished, and all that that is developed will be kept 
will grow and expand. Therefore, it is very important to know what conditions are necessary to be fulfilled to develop and keep the fruit of obedience expressed in reverence before God. For example, any military strategist and specialist knows to be able to conquer or recapture a significant or important position from the enemy isn't easy, but it is much more difficult to keep this position and be established or confirmed in it to continue your success. Keeping and developing the quality and character of reverence, according to the words of Scripture, the method of keeping and developing in yourself the quality of reverence in God is revealed in keeping your membership or part in Christ as the example of reverence. Hebrews 3:14 through 18, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. <clears throat> Why did they harden their hearts? Instead of being reverent before God, <clears throat> uh, because since there was no water, a person needs to be reverent in this moment. God is doing something unusual. What is he doing? What has happened? They began to grumble and say, where you came to kill us here in the wilderness. They knew that God is leading them and they knew that God didn't lead them there to die, that God was doing something. For who, having heard, rebelled, indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter because of their unbelief. And so unbelief is what? In the <coughs> unbelief is the absence of reverence. When there is faith, then you will not be moved at the time of suffering or losses. It will be the opposite effect and you'll have reverence. What is God doing with me? What is he trying to change uh, <clears throat> or hewn out in me? I'm broken and I can't even be put together, but his fiery darts are still flying. <clears throat> That's what Job said. I will so soon turn to ash and I will not be. But at the same time, he knew and said, I believe. You see, the reverence that he had. I believe that my Redeemer lives, and he and the last day will restore my, my broken body, and I with my own eyes will see these things. The ability or method of keeping and developing in yourself the quality of reverence is revealed in the unity of our heart with our mouth, that is, so that our confessions be the faith of our heart. This will keep the reverence that we have. Isaiah 29, 13, 14. Therefore the Lord said, inasmuch... <clears throat> I'm bringing this place of scripture again, but in a different, from a different angle. And as much as those, these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts fr far from me, and their fear towards me is taught by the commandments of men, therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. Isaiah 29, 13, 14. Practically, this prophecy is a rebuke and complaint of God against his chosen nation that attempted to get close to God by the confessions of their mouth with the complete absence of faith in their heart, which would have been an expression of the fruit of reverence.
for the reason that reverence of the chosen by God nation was replaced from studying the commandments of God to studying the commandments of men because they elevated their own commandments to a level of commandments of God their confessions lacked trembling reverence and were identified per scripture as an expression of their hard heart and stiff neck Therefore, to keep and develop the present fruit of reverence before God, first it is necessary for our confessions to be the confessions of the faith of our heart. Since looking at the words of Scripture only in the presence of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Therefore, the word expressed or spoken by the mouth without the participation of faith in our heart deprives our prayer of the element of reverence and makes it not only ineffective but also destructive. It destroys us, this kind of prayer, and does not construct us. And also to keep and develop the existing fruit of reverence before God, it is necessary that our confession satisfy the requirements of the commandments of the Lord. The next ability or method of keeping and developing reverence before God is determined by our right attitude and behavior towards God's delegated people that is revealed in respect and double honor. 1 Timothy 5.17 Let the elders who rule well, well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. In the unity of these three factors, we, only, we will not only be able to keep within our prayer the existing fruit of reverence, but we will also continue to develop and build up its levels. <clears throat> the right attitude and behavior towards the delegated authority of God needs to be the result of knowledge or revelation in, their, in your spirit and the spring of their service. You shouldn't be honoring and subsidizing self-called or self-proclaimed representatives that present either the structure of dictatorship within the garments of theocracy or a dictatorship in garments of democracy. Honoring and subsidizing, subsidizing such self-proclaimed or self-called representatives is one of the forms of demonstration of a hard heart and a participation in their lawlessness. <clears throat> the mission organizations, churches, and pastors uh, that are self-proclaimed or self-called will be destroyed and their, and your participation of these things will also. You need to look at the spring of who you support. The fact that they're healing doesn't yet mean that this person is from God. The devil can also heal, but he cannot perform uh, miracles as the hand that was uh, removed or cut off uh, that uh, to regrow a new hand. God gave me the ability to know and see this. I prayed about people who did not have organs and they appeared. They cut them out, but after these prayers, these organs appeared healthy inside this person. This talks of the fact that this miracle can only happen by the Holy Spirit. A person that is not of God will not do these kinds of miracles because you need to create an organ. That means you need to be God. You need to be the Holy Spirit. The unclean spirit cannot do this. He can uh, remove pain in the head. He can give feeling of euphoria. He can do miracles and signs before you or say something, but he cannot perform a miracle of this sort or kind. You need to look at what people are confessing, what Christ they're presenting. 
And so the ability or method of keeping and developing in yourself the quality of reverence is revealed in us being filled with knowledge of the will of God in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Colossians 1, 9 through 12. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every work you do, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. The next ability or method of keeping and developing in yourself the quality of reverence reveals itself in us hallowing the Lord in our hearts so that we always be ready for any required from us report of our hope and respond with gentleness and reverence. 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. This feeling of reverence is the feeling of God's glory when you will give a personal response. With inner reverence, it will bring horror upon this person to, with whom you're speaking talking about who God is for you because you are shining him within your heart, hallowing him. That means to separate him from other regular things, from separate him from, from all other, placing him first. The ability or method of keeping and developing in yourself the quality of reverence is expressed in our need to keep grace with the abilities and means by which we can serve the Lord acceptably with reverence and fear because our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12:28-29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. We will keep God's grace. And to keep God's grace, you need to receive the kingdom that is immovable. Not when, and so when we have, we keep this grace, uh, then we can serve God with reverence and godly fear. If a person does not understand what grace is or what the kingdom that is immovable, if they have not received it into their heart, then grace has not, it does not reign in their heart. They're not able to keep this reverence because to be able to keep reverence, you need to keep grace within your heart. And with this grace, you can acceptably serve the Lord with reverence and godly fear. Fourth question, how will the reward be revealed for bearing and keeping the fruit of obedience and the quality of reverence and prayer? If we will know what the punishment consists of for the absence of reverence in our relationship with God, but we will not know the reward contained in the promises for honoring God expressed in reverence, we will not be able to know the fear of the Lord, identifying the quality and atmosphere of reverence. 2 Corinthians 7, 1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And the fear of God is also reverence reverence, the reverence. The reward for expressing reverence will lead us into the mercy that God has before whose face we will serve as cupbearers. We are all serve, called to serve before God as cupbearers. 
Nehemiah 1.11. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant <clears throat> prosper this day. I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. At the beginning of our studies, when determining the quality and virtue of reverence and prayer, we read this particular verse from which we concluded that reverence and prayer is no other but the expression of love to God and His name, and that the absence of reverence and prayer linked to joy is the absence of love to God and the absence of true joy before the face of God. In conclusion of our study, we will look at the fact that the servants of the Lord that love to revere in prayer before God and His name as Nehemiah are the the cupbearers of the king are the Lord is the king of kings the name Nehemiah in Hebrew sounds like Nehemiah which means the Lord has comforted Besides the fact that he was a cupbearer in the royal city of Shishan, serving the great Persian king Artaxerxes, he was also placed as the Mede Persian representative in Judea in that same city of Shishan at the same media Persian Artaxerxes king and whose wife was Esther and we remember that Mordecai was also there at the time that was at the front gate who was captain of the front gate at the time when Artaxerxes was speaking to him Esther was sitting by his side Further, we will look at the time in which this incident happened and the names of Nehemiah, Esther, and Mordecai, who were before the great king Artaxerxes. Specifically, by the means of these three people, Nehemiah, Mordecai, and Esther, who, present, who stood before the, the king and served before the king Artaxerxes, did the Lord lead out the Israelites from bondage, but also gave them money much gifts and all the means to restore the walls of Jerusalem with Nehemiah. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad? If you remember that this was not a normal king, no one was able to see him normally, and the one that did see his face needed to die. Only the one to whom he stretched the golden scepter was able to see him. And so approaching the king was possible. You can enter, but if you aren't called, you will be killed because you saw the king. But you can only see him when he calls you. And so that is why you needed to be before his face uh, joyful and glad. And so you need to love him to be joyful before him. And I think Nehemiah loved this king because he saved Israel from death. We know the story of Esther, not just Esther, but Mordecai as well. <clears throat> and so why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. And he's... A person has a happy face, but a wise king sees the pain of the heart of Nehemiah and said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad? When the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire, then the king said to me, what do you request? 
So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah and to the city of my father's tombs, that I may build it, restore Jerusalem. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, Queen Esther, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send him, and I sent him. I sent him a time. Uh, the time it will take to restore Jerusalem and the temple. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through the through till I come to Judah, and I and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel which per pertains to the temple, for the city wall and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to be to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. <clears throat> and we see here that this happened in the... Uh, Passover month of Nisan. And so when it's talking about the 20th year, it's talking about <coughs> a completion of Numbers 14, 26 and low. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which with the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses, if you who have complained against me, shall fall in the wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from twenty years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephon, and Joseph, or Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, <coughs> and they shall know the land which you have despised. And so anybody who was above 20 years old all perished, and all those who were 20 and younger uh, were saved. <coughs> and so the cup of the wine that Nehemiah had given to Artaxerxes was a sim symbol of the cup uh, that was poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Matthew 26, 27, 28. Then he took the cup and gave thanks, and gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And now we will turn to the meaning of the name of the people that were close in the court of the king Artaxerxes and who took part in this uh, great work because they showed the reverence that they needed to. Artaxerxes means one who rules a righteous kingdom or this is a symbol of, of God who stands at the head of the kingdom of heaven, the functions whose, who has ju whose function is justice and vengeance for good and evil. <coughs> Esther or Gadassa, she came as Gadassa, but when she came out, uh, he, he named her Esther. Gadassa is morning star, and Esther is a fragrant myrrh. This is a symbol of the chosen God remainder, the lamb, uh, bride of the Lamb, that are fragrance of Christ, that for her, our testimony of the fact that she pleased God. 
Mordecai the Judean, the meaning of his name is a worshiper of God. This is the symbol of the personified word of God that come out of the mouth of God and that is the son of God in the status of the son of man that was brought forth from the line of Judah, the functions of whom was to keep the threshold of the house of God from being entered by those who are condemned to death. And so when, if you remember, uh, this uh, Amen, the wicked one who wanted to hang Mordecai, also uh, Mordecai himself, he Nehemiah means the Lord has comforted. This is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, the function of whom is to serve as a comfort to those who are God's chosen remainder and bring them to perfection in Christ Jesus. Cupbearer is a, a very honorable position. And this is the one that the person that is the closest to the king. Uh, royal wine drinking is uh, a somewhat of an art. And this is when the king filled uh, was filled with joy and had ecstatic joy, not just from the taste of wine, but also who and in what way, in what order this wine was offered to him. And so the cup bearer was responsible not just for the quality of the wine that was given to the king, but also the process and ritual and atmosphere in which the wine was offered to the king. In his time, because of the cup bearer, uh, the Pharaoh uh, had allowed Joseph out of prison and made him then the savior of the world or called him the savior of the world. Wine is a symbol of the Holy Spirit identifying uh, joy or the gladness and joy of the heart of the Heavenly Father. Wine as the power of the Holy Spirit as joy is healing for the soul and the body and also the means that brings a person to perfection that is in the likeness of the Heavenly Father. And when this wine, with the expression of the Holy Spirit, is expressed in the prayer of a person with reverence, then specifically this kind of rev uh, prayer with reverence is the upright joy that is called to make, allow us to be present, presented as faultless and keep us from stumbling. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Jude 1, 24, 25. In other words, speaking, the reward for reverence that is shown by a person to the name of the living God the Holy Spirit will dress a person into the fruit of upright joy, without which it is impossible, without with boldness to meet the Lord in the air. That is why the Holy Spirit, as he reveres before God and trembles before God, is the cup bearer. To him, we and the Holy Spirit are also called by the means of reverence before his name to be cup bearers and wine of upright joy for God and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is wine for the Lord.
that gives him joy and gladness. A person in the Holy Spirit, a ho- the Holy Spirit in man makes a person just the same as the same wine. And when a person be- comes before the Lord, he needs to be glad. But when he sees sorrow upon the heart, and the sorrow will be because the city of the fathers has been destroyed, the temple is destroyed, and you want to build it up again, then he will stretch forth his golden scepter of favor and will ask you, what would you like? What would you desire? Instead of uh, destroying you, the Lord rejoices when we are this wine before the Lord. (coughs) Again, I repeat, the wine is a symbol of the power of the Holy Spirit and a symbol of the of joy at the same time because wine brings joy to the heart of man and in this time this wine is also power this power allows a person to be healed this is a healing joy that is why the children of god cannot be healed because they don't have reverence that is together with joy when Jesus came, he turned from unusual, un, unordinary uh, water, unordinary wine. We receive the Holy Spirit into our life as the water of life. The, the Word of God as the water, and the Holy Spirit then uh, makes it in, into unique wine before the Lord. When the Holy Spirit comes and sees in your heart, without any feeling or uh, emotional position to keep within yourself the truth while while you're emotionally lifted up is easy. Imagine if there's no feeling, it's empty and dry. As a plant from dry ground, you continue to keep, you're not basing it off of what you feel, but from what you know, who you are and who you are for God. Not looking at the fact that everything's dry. Oftentimes people say, God abandoned me, he doesn't hear me, something's going on. They panic, they stop praying, but you do the opposite. You will... uh, make your uh, prayers even more diligent and persistent. It needs to be a persistent prayer, continual prayer. And the Holy Spirit will then come and make you wine. And when you become wine, then you will feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in yourself. And this presence of the Holy Spirit, this prayer will come before the Lord. It will heal you and bring joy to the heart of the Father. Considering that our time is up, we will pray and worship the Lord and thank Him for the revelations that we have received, what reverence is to be within our prayers before the Lord. Amen. Who is able to bend their knees, who is not, you may uh, be sit, you may stand. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, We worship before you upon this place that you have appointed to praise your name where you desire to be. And upon this place, not only upon this place, but also in our hearts, people who come here for one purpose, and that is to elevate your word, to place it above all your name. When you have placed your word, your name, 
the living word above all your names, your living, your word, you became a servant of your own word. You did the great miracle for us that you became a servant of your own word. And now we can trust upon your word because you are a servant of it as well. You will fulfill it and nothing will stand in your way of fulfilling it. You want this faith that you are the Lord of your word and that you can fulfill it, you will fulfill it, and nothing will stand in your way, only our unbelief and our disobedience. But for us, for our faith to grow, we need to prepare the soil of our heart. We don't need to corrupt your word, twist it, or pervert it. Receive it as it is and honor your order, your theocracy, to be able to thank you and praise you, to be understanding of one the other and forgive one the other and ask forgiveness. We in our eyes may still be imperfect but in your eyes we are perfect when we are obedient to your word and ask forgiveness when we have offended another when we have done wrong and then you bless us and you leave us as righteous you keep us as righteous you hold us as righteous and the tree of life grows in us and it becomes so great that your revelations can cover within its branches and we become carriers of your urim and your thummim and then you begin to treat us as you treat the holy spirit then anyone who will touch us touch the apple of your eye anyone who touches us is cursed and who blesses us is blessed we thank you for this promise we receive it in accordance to your words and may your mercy be blessed for your people may those who bless your people be blessed and those who curse it be cursed in accordance to your words we worship before you our great God Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.